Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we have a lot of news for you today. It's Monday, and uh, so many things happened over the weekend, and uh, uh, Rita did a lot of things, I did a lot of things, Ed Cox did a lot of things. In the studio, we have Ed Cox today, and we have Judge Weinberg, and a special guest. More money. Yeah, more, more money. money. Steve Moore. <laughs> Two Steve to Moore. three. Two to three on Saturday. And uh, <laughs> I understand, uh, Rita, you you hosted, uh, you were the MC last night for the Zionist uh, dinner, like few thousand people? It was packed, wall-to-wall <laughs> wow. at the Marriott Marquis, and I will say I was happy to be and in a room. it rained real hard, so there was nobody uh, picketing. By the way, I was so happy about that. I was okay. <laughs> They're fair-weather picketers, right. I learned. <laughs> but the great news was, John, um, and at Zionist Organization America, um, Eric Schmidt was there, uh, Senator Missouri, Lee Zeldin, Elise wow. Stefanik was there, Speaker Mike Johnson. Wow. I was happy to be in a room where people were unabashedly pro-freedom, supporting Israel, and anti-Iran. Wow. And there was no gray. And these these guys were great. Mort Klein and everybody there with what DOA did, think did of a Mike great Johnson, job. the new speaker? And, wait, he gave a second. great speech. And, and great Cox. speech. Uh, I, I travel all Hosted over Long Island with yeah, him yes. here. Uh, you bet. He... He is the right person to unify the Republicans right. in the House. Right, Cox he, had a big uh, lunch for him. Yeah, yesterday you had a busy weekend. Oh, you bet. He spent a lot of time with him. He, he knows what he's doing. Good. And at least we're talking about right? Mike. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. We're talking about Mike Johnson. We, you know, we didn't. We, yeah, I we, said it. I we said stuck, it. We st- walked around the name a little bit. Oh, uh, we. I, I ran right to it. I and ran right Lee to Stefanik, it. And uh, Stefanik was next to him yesterday. You and, bet. And uh, the, the lunch you had in New York City yesterday hey, in Manhattan. Hey, hey, it was, you had uh, almost every congressman uh, from New York. You 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 bet. It was a good uh, Republican congressman from New York. And, right? yeah. <laughs> and raised a lot almost of money. All, raised yeah. like it was a. It, it seemed like it was a very successful weekend. It was very successful for Johnson here. Really, everyone raised thought, millions. "Hey, this yes. guy <laughs> has what this guy has what it takes." Which is great. And by the way, I was, I, it was the first time, like, standing next to him. The, the first thing he said, guys, which was very cute, John, rem- we'll remember for our great Cass and Cosby listeners, on John's birthday, then Speaker McCarthy called in. I think he was in Japan or somewhere. Remember, John, when he called in to <laughs> yes, wish happy birthday? Yes. And then on my birthday with you guys, wow. it was Speaker Johnson wow. who actually called in. So the first thing he said to me was, Happy! It was oh, so great yeah. to say happy birthday to you not too long ago, which was very cute. That's and, good uh, prep work. By the way, <laughs> l- l- Mr. Chairman, you have to understand. I, w- I want to understand something. We took Santos. We took Santos off the uh, off the list. He's gone. Right. 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 Now, the, the, the Republicans have to spend twenty five million dollars in February to put him to put another Republican on. Couldn't we just wait? He was voting your way. Under under New York law, we cannot wait. The governor, within 10 days, has to declare no, a special election. No, that's Why did no, you have mean, a, wait. No, why, why did, did they vote, vote out? Why did they vote oh, out of the house? A, yes, that's the, the people that threw him out, they should raise the 25 million. They're going to throw him out. They ought to throw out Senator Menendez and throw out uh, Joe Biden. No, what about They all got the same problem. If Swazi's going to spend $25 million, and uh, the, the nominee is going to spend twenty five million. We, 
We could have saved that money for the. Uh, That's a lot of money for the, one for the regular. <laughs> That's and this was, what, the first person to be expelled from the Congress? And, no, since the Confederacy. He was not a member of the Confederacy. And he was not a Confederate. And not convicted of anything. Yeah. Of course, a lot of people are convicted, right? Somebody just called in and said that. Yeah, but, but, but it's an interesting point. Can we because, hear that again? Yeah, let's hear They're it. full of crap. Yeah, but talk about politics. I think we recognize that person, but... The point that Johnson had and others, why he voted against booting Santos. And listen, oh, there's Johnson the, voted the whole leadership. Yes, the leadership yeah. voted against yeah, it. That's why it was going to say, yes, they, a needed, of they needed their yes. vote. But, they they, they need, but, but also, it, it's interesting. And I'm not a fan of obviously all the lies. And there's a lot of stuff with Santos. I'm not a, <laughs> a Santos apologist, guys, by no means. But the point that Johnson had was, Precedent setting. He wasn't convicted right. of a crime. And that's what the Wall Street Journal editorial yes. board said as well. That you know this and guy's a scumbag, also, but he's so- <laughs> yeah. Do you want to have? Do you want to have the members of Congress deciding right. who yeah, stays and who that, goes? That, if we. It could have waited to the main election. He said he's not going to run again. I think, John, the problem was just politically he was such an embarrassment for the I, Republic. No, the media right. had you, you know what the embarrassment is? The you spend twenty five million, you don't have to spend. Yeah, that's an embarrassment too. <laughs> <laughs> for one vote. Also, for one vote. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, it was Pennsylvania weekend in New York. I was entertaining all the Pennsylvanians because I we, we that, have a that, of, did that include Fetterman? <laughs> Fetterman, I didn't see him. You <laughs> could, couldn't have missed him. I'm going to tell, uh, <laughs> tell you something. And hoodie. I know. Hello, the, good I, night. That I was know, his debate opener. <laughs> I went to one of the events and uh, Senator Bob Casey was there, and I respect the guy. Mm-hmm. I know his father Ooh. was a very good great friend man. of mine. Yeah. He was a great man, and I go up to Bob and I said, Bob, one of the things I don't like about uh, the, what President Biden is doing is the border crisis. Mm-hmm. And Senator Casey says to me, oh, it's been like that for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's no. ridiculous. Oh, that's ridiculous. Donald Trump did a lot to clean up that border. I really felt bad about that. They must be giving out a lot of Kool-Aid down yeah. in Washington. The numbers speak for themselves. They do. I, I just, oh, you know, I, yes. I said to him, uh, Senator, do your own research. Yeah. Good for you. John, I, I'm going to send you. you a chart. Yeah, he's not his father. That shows the massive increase. In it's, it's you. By the way, speaking of Pennsylvania, John, did you, this has been horrible. These restaurants in Pennsylvania and Philly over the weekend, because it was a Jewish owner, the, everyone's discussing it. Tons of these anti-Semitic protesters showed up at the restaurant. They were shouting, saying you're committing genocide. It, it's horrifying what's happening. Horrifying. Makes philosophers for a living. So what genocide is he committing? I understand he's an award-winning chef, too. Award-winning, but it's a Jewish-owned Philly falafel restaurant, but it's a chain. And all these students showed up at the same time that nearby Penn called uh, called it Intifada, uh, okay. what Israel's doing. It's getting really scary. No, 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 the Intifada, they called for an Intifada. And the Intifada, if you look up the dic- dictionary definition, is a call for a violent uprising. Okay, so it's totally associated with violence. Yeah, so if it's not a, free speech. No, it's not free speech. And in fact, our friend Andy McCarthy in 2005 had a groundbreaking article about terrorists and their incitement to riot and to violence. So it's judge, not free speech. That's my question. Judge, there are so many people who say, oh, it's free. It's not free speech if you're inciting By the way, violence. Breaking, exactly right. violence. Yeah. Breaking, exactly. News. breaking news. Breaking news. WABC.
Squad member Jamal Bowman, who says he's going to run for Congress against, who is that, Nicole? Uh, uh, well, Jamal is, where is Jamal? He's around 16th. That's not Nicole. No, no that's Which not one? Nicole. That's a different one. No. That's, that's the alarm puller, the fire yeah. alarm yeah, puller. Yeah, right, that's right. What did he say? He's going to get primaried uh, by he is uh, the congressman uh, of the 16th. Uh, a staunch defender of Israel. Uh, this is, I'm, I'm being told, this is uh, mm. one of the women who is sort of a big supporter. Tell us again. The woman who got beat on the subway, I am being told, mm. is the one who is running against oh, wow. him. What is the name of the name? Let's get the name and we'll we'll do that in a second because All right. well, Yeah, well, interesting. But meanwhile we got Leonora Levy. Yeah, Leora Levy just came back from Israel. And let's get her on. Hi. Perfect. Hi, Leora, and of course everybody, Leora is the National Republican National Committee uh woman there in Connecticut. Um, also, of course, uh, ran for the U.S. Senate, did a great job in 2022. And Leora, you just came back from Israel. Before you tell us about your trip, uh, all this stuff, uh, Camilla J- uh, Jayapal, who uh, John just mentioned a moment ago, she is making tons of headlines, uh, just so everybody knows. She's the Democrat congresswoman who's from Washington, but she's also the chair of the Progressive Caucus. So she's one of the leaders in the Democrats there. And she came out and was it was a stunning moment as a journalist. I know Dana Bash well from CNN and Dana was was her jaw dropped too. here. She's on CNN. She's asked about these rapes. There's these horrible stories of rapes in Israel. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hamas maybe did that. But let's put some balance in it and talk about Israel. She was like an apologist, it seemed, for Hamas. Uh, Where is the balance? That was an outrageous comment, Leora. That was an outrageous comment. I just heard it actually a few minutes ago for the first time as I walked in the house to get ready for speaking to you, and I was shocked. But I've been wondering for two months, where are all the women's groups? Where are they? What happened to the Me Too movement? Is that Me Too only for non-Jews? I mean, do, do Israeli women not count? I saw the 47 minutes of raw video that was taken by the Hamas terrorists themselves, much of it on their GoPros that they were wearing. I saw what they did to Israeli women. I saw I it was terrific, sadistic and vile. And where are all of the protesters for that? Yeah, it's disgusting. In fact, Leora, I just have to say something as a woman. This this is one of the most upsetting stories I've heard. It was uh, one of the guys who was witnessed recently who um, survived the music festival. The Of course, that's where so many of the deaths occurred and, and the hostage shaking occurred. He said he covered himself with a woman's body who had been killed and he could see uh, this other woman, sadly, being raped by a number of Hamas, and she was begging him, begging them to kill her because it was so horrible, and he couldn't do anything, and he said it's haunting him you to know, this day. for this to happen in 2023... It's stunning, John. It's, it's stunning. horrifying. It is... The brutality is disgusting. Tor- it's not just rape, and rape is bad enough, but they actually tortured and brutalized yes. these women. Yes. That's why oh, I called horrible. it sadistic. That's why I called it sadistic. Because it was not just murder. They took pleasure and in, in, in harming and torturing every single Israeli. I also, yesterday, before I got on the plane, in my hotel, there was an IDF soldier who was doing security there. And I introduced him myself and we were chatting. And he, he told me he survived 
the Nova Music Festival. He saw his girlfriend murdered in front of him, his best friend murdered in front of him. He he survived by sheer luck and wits, but, you know, it was horrific. I was at Kibbutz Miraz, the, one of the southern uh. kibbutzes, where the most terrible things happened. I, I sent um, Matt, your producer, photos of what I saw there. That was a kibbutz where um, over se- somewhere between 70 and 80 people were kidnapped, including the Bebus family, the little not, then nine-month-old baby, and he, he's 10-month-old now if he's still alive, and his brother, uh, Ariel, who's four years old, and their mother, they're still in captivity. They have not been released. You know, um, that's um, why that's why Leora uh, people shouldn't give up their guns. I understand the Israelis that had guns survived. You know, Hitler took away the guns from the the Polish and the Germans in 19, was it 1933? Mao took them away in 19. Oh, oh, no, Stalin. Stalin Stalin took them away in 1922. Mao Zedong took from the Chinese. Mao Zedong in 1949. They take Astro away. Took them away also. Yes, American no, people. If they communism. take away your Astro guns, did the same. if they take away your guns to the American people, guess what? You're gonna we're gonna have a problem. Yes, and that was one of the shocking things because we asked that question when we were at Kibbutz near Oz. Did anybody have a gun? And they didn't. Right. But and, the Kibbutz nearby that did have guns. This they is the law, and were able to defend themselves. This is the law of the jungle, and right now we're living under the law of the jungle. Yes, and one of the people we met with in the city of Ofakim, which was attacked by the terrorists, was a member of Knesset. His name is Almag Cohen. He went out in his, you know, pajamas and bare feet with his pistol, and he defended the people of Ofakim against yeah. armed terrorists who had AK-47s and grenades, and he successfully rescued and saved people using only his pistol. Now, let me he tell you a, something. He's amazing. Uh, you know, they can take me out, but I'll take six of them out first. That's what my attitude is. And and that happened. There was a one kibbutz story, John, exactly to your point, of this very heroic woman who had a yeah. gun, and she took out, I think it was like 20 or 30 and saved many people in the process. She sadly lost her life, but woman? she saved so many people because she had a gun. How about the woman who had the tank? Yes. And the, tell right. us about that, Leora. Yeah, I love that story. Yeah. We got to go. We have that, a... I saw that video. There were there was a, a unit of women of the IDF who had never really – they weren't trained to do this, but they took – they were ordered to take a, can, a tank by their commander, and they took it, and they went, and they successfully <laughs> defended against many, many terrorists. Well, Laura, thank you for reporting back and telling the American people the truth because the American people have to know the truth. And uh, They must know the truth and yes. they must See, Ed know. See, Ed Cox doesn't worry you- because he was a ranger in the Army. <laughs> Airborne. Okay. Airborne. Airborne lead the way. All the way. All, right. All the way. All right. Thank, thank you, Laura. Thank okay. you, Laura. Thank you for having me. Thank, thank you. you. And who do we have now, uh, Rita? Yeah, now we have Amanda Chu. And Amanda is a lead writer uh, with the Financial Times. She also writes with the Energy Source newsletter. Um, and Amanda, uh, you, you know, you can't make this up. I, I want to just start with just sort of the whole premise of what happened over the weekend. Uh, you know, they had the big conference in Dubai. 
And, uh, the head of it, the president of it is, is one of the leaders there of Dubai. It's all about carbon emissions and, you know, and climate, you know, change and all this stuff. And the head of it comes out, Amanda, and says, uh, you know, of course he's, uh, one of the leaders there in Dubai, but said, we are not gonna, there's no way we can eliminate fossil fuels. There's no way we can do these. It's unrealistic. Uh, and also people still want it. And the whole place gasped. Who you know? gasped? Who gasped? <laughs> Everybody in the audience. John Kerry. Yeah. John Kerry gasped. <laughs> So, Amanda, where is all this headed? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, this is a pivotal climate conference right now. This is COP28 for those who don't have the context. And this is, you know, the first time the world is going to do a global stock take of progress since the Paris Climate Agreement. You know, have countries taken sufficient action to reduce um, their emissions, to keep global warming below 1.5 degrees Celsius um, to avert the worst of climate um, catastrophe. And I think the general consensus is that no countries have not done enough. Um, And whether or not that countries can negotiate a deal to phase out or phase down fossil fuels will be a key tension at this conference. Yeah, we, uh, by the way, we have Steve, Steve Moore, Moore with who's us. who's an advocate on this with us. <laughs> hey, Amanda, great to be with you. Another and, uh, Brit. Thanks for joining us. So, um, you know, this is uh, this is one cop that should be fired, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, more, right, no more of these cop right. uh, conferences. All right, the only uh, cop we've had so that cop. Run <laughs> <laughs> that cop. Um, so, th- my impression of this, and I'd like your re- reaction to it, is every time we have these conferences, especially uh, with Biden in the White House, and it was true also under Obama. All the United States does is make all these concessions. And so just in the last couple of days, the Biden administration says, oh, we're going to stop coal plants. And we still get a quarter of our electricity from coal. And then they also put out these new regulations uh, for uh, methane, which is natural gas. That's another 35 percent of our electric power. And none of the other countries are going along with this. So but it's China, like unilateral China, disarmament. And China's not China's even there. building a new coal exactly. plant at least once a week. So what, Amanda, <laughs> what, do, what do they say to that? I mean, what are these? It's so preposterous. All these other countries, are China and India, are building all these coal plants. What, are they, how, what is their reaction to that? I mean, maybe let's just focus on the U.S. first. Um, the U.S. is, you know, the second largest polluter. Wait, wait, no, no, not, not, wait a minute, hold on. Not as a percentage of our, uh, of the, of the, what we produce. I mean, we, we, we have a lot of emissions because we produce so much, but most countries are way, way ahead of us in terms of their emissions as a share of what their production is. So that's just, go ahead. Well, I mean, just focusing on the U.S. first, I think the Biden administration has really put climate at the forefront of the presidency. We saw also on Friday that the, they announced new rules to cut yeah. China off of the U.S. electric vehicle supply chain. And this is a really important ruling when it comes to how the U.S. wants to navigate its energy transition. Why the U.S. wants to compete on climate is also has implications for, you know, how it wants to compete with China, because, you know, we can argue about who is the dirtiest country, but China is the leading producer in clean energy technologies. It has. But then why are they building? That doesn't make any sense. They're building coal plants led through the wazoo. They're not doing clean energy. They're they're doing they're coal. Building they're building one coal gas. plant every week. A new one every <laughs> it's week. It's a lie. It's, well, not, it's a propaganda. 
Let's not forget India. Oh, How about building, India? Hold on. They How about are India? batteries because they're selling the batteries to us. Yes, and the Biden administration wants to cut down on our alliance on Chinese um, supply chains for batteries because, you know, it's a big security risk. Well, they finally and, did something right then. Yeah, exactly. Finally, finally. It doesn't make up for all the other stuff, but finally. Um, Amanda, thank you so much. It's great to have you here and get your perspective. Yeah, thank thanks you. For your reporting. Thanks. Thank you very much. And uh, let's take a break. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll come back with. We have uh, Fernando Mateo talking about. He, by ran, the way, uh, he ran for mayor against Curtis. But you know what? Also, John, to your point about guns, he said bodega owners are buying more guns let's because take of crime. That break first. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back here to Cats and Cosby. And by the way, uh, big headlines this week that New York City bodega owners and grocers are arming themselves with guns because Crime is so bad. And what if a it's surprise. a bad neighborhood, maybe two guns. Well, and also, you know what you need, John? You need the Rocky Calavito bat that you yeah. had, right? Yeah. It was right. All right. We need that. Um, and joining us now to talk about all of this here on Cats and Cosby is the spokesman of the United Bodegas of America, uh, Fernando Mateo, um, who ran uh, for mayor, as uh, John brought up also as well. Fernando, it's great to talk with you. It's great talking to you as well. You know, how bad is crime? It is so bad. And, and I was not surprised to hear this, that bodega owners and all I think about, you know what I think about when I think of bodega owners? I think of Jose Alba. Remember that case Absolutely. of that that guy from the Dominican Republic who was just doing his job and the guy jumps behind yeah, the counter and, 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 and stabs about the, him. The, the, and, the Marine that saved everybody in the subway. Yeah, Daniel Penny. Yeah, Good point, they, John. They, they, they go after the Marine instead of going after the criminals. Yeah, and and uh, Jose Alba, he, he left the country. He said, I don't want to be in uh, New York City justice. How sad not, is that? Because it's not safe yeah. and there's no justice. That's what he said. Yeah, take it away, Fernando. But you know what? Jose Alba went home to his family at the end of the day. Uh, there's been many that have not gone home to their families, like the uh, the bodeguero on uh, uh, 82nd Street and 3rd Avenue that was shot in the bodega in Midtown Manhattan, and he was killed. He didn't go home. Uh, and many others have not gone home. But more, more than that is community people that are running away from these thugs that run into a bodega seeking a safe haven, and they get killed in front of the bodega owner. You know, it's people from the community, it's the bodega owners, it's the employees, it's the looting, it's the assaults, it's the stabbings, it's the robbers, it's the murderers, it's everything. You know, since de Blasio took office, everything went downhill. For eight years of his administration, we got ransacked and we went back to the 70s. And that's what truly hurt us. Do you think we really want to go through the process of getting licensed to carry a gun? We don't, we don't want to go through that. We've never been through that. But now it is necessary. It's necessary to protect your workers. It's necessary to protect yourself. And it's necessary to protect your community. And your family. And, your, of course, and your family. You know, a lot of these bodega owners work with their wives and their kids in the bodegas. Can you imagine going in there and losing one of your, your children or your wife or your husband? 
to someone that just wants to rob you and kill you. I mean, it's time that we defend ourselves. And what we did was we formed a secret society within our, our organization. And slowly but surely, we've been getting our applications approved. Slowly but surely, there are hundreds of bodega owners that are carrying guns. And now we can fight back with the same firepower that they have. We can fight back. And so beware. If you're going to go into a bodega and rob them, make sure that you're going into the right bodega because you may be, you may be, be the, the guy being carried out in a duffel bag. And that's what this is about. It's about you know, defending yourself. But I want you to know, John, it's very important that people understand that carrying a gun is a huge responsibility. If you use it when it, there is an eminent danger to your life, you're you going to be arrested. You will go to jail and you will do a lot of time. So a lot of bodega owners prefer to get robbed and killed than to kill someone and go to jail for life. Okay. Wow. So it is, it, it's very important that, you know, we have NRA um, uh, instructors, people that are duly authorized to train uh, people in the use of, of firearms that teach Article uh, 35 and make sure that these, ki- that these people understand what they're getting into. Because having a gun doesn't mean that you can shoot someone. Having Absolutely. a gun means that you can defend yourself and defend someone from imminent danger. You know, I, I've that. carried a, a gun. I've had a gun for a long, long time. And the good news is I never had to kill anybody or, or, or use it. John, you know what? I've had a gun since I'm 21 years old. Um, I've had a gun for over 45 years. I think we I'll got it about the same thing. time. Yeah, I, I got it when I was 21 years old, John. And I'll tell you, I pulled it out one time and it was to save someone's life. Yes. I was in my carpet store on Avenue A between Houston and 2nd Street, and a guy came in running after another guy to rob him for his heroin. And he was ready to stab him on the floor. Wow. I pulled my gun out, and I said, if you, if you stab him, I will shoot you. He looked, up, uh, he looked up at me, took his knife, put it in his pocket, went out the store, and I saved the guy's life. Fernando, we are, now, done that. we are now living under the law of the jungle. So but you know, be you careful. know what? The, the, the mayor is supporting us. I believe that, you know, he understands that we need to defend ourselves. And um, yesterday he said you have the right to defend yourself. Yes. And, uh, and, and that's what's good. I mean, we have an open Well, let's tell that mayor. to the Marine uh, in, uh, in front of the subway. Why don't we tell that, that to the district, why don't we tell that to district attorneys? Yeah. Yeah, and why judges. Why don't we tell that to and district attorneys? Right. We've got to take a break. Fernando, I hope to talk to you again real soon. And, uh, uh, and stay safe. Listen, I love you guys at WABC. Take care, man. Thank, Thank you. you, Fernando. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we, we got, got Bill Parker. Bill Parker. Uh, he was in the Navy for 30 years, over 30 years. And they're shooting at our ships, and we're not doing anything about it. Let's go to break. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, we're back here, John. And our ships are getting shot at. Yeah, and it looks like uh, our president doesn't give a ship. 
Ooh, I'm allowed to say that. S H I P. S H I P. Let the FCC take the FCC take do notes. S H I P. today is Dr. Bill Parker, and Dr. Bill Parker is the CEO of Parker Maritime Technologies. He also, by the way, a senior U.S. Naval officer, commanded three warships, so he knows uh, what's going on here. And uh, Dr. Parker, this is scary. What we're talking about is the USS Kearney Navy ship, which was attacked by these drones, um, the Houthi rebels, which are, of course, Iranian-backed, and one of them was coming right for the Kearney, and it took out the drones, thank goodness. But, boy, are things escalating. Are escalating. Uh, first of all, great to be back on your show again. They are escalating, and the reality is uh, Carney and the crew did a great job. That captain did a great job. Uh, the technology that we have in the Aegis weapon systems is working uh, fantastic. Uh, but the reality is numbers matter. Uh, and even though we have good leadership in, uh, in the 5th Fleet AOR, Area of Responsibility, um, the fact that we had this joint comprehensive plan of action, uh, it's a total disaster right now, and it's starting to, uh, starting to show in a lot of different areas. At, at what point uh, are our soldiers or our Navy men starting to get uh, apprehensive on, on that, uh, you know, I mean, in the old days, you guys would have went in and wiped out the entire area. Apprehensive? I don't think so. I mean, they they certainly know uh, what they're doing. They're able to defend themselves. But but numbers matter. And the reality is you've got Fort Carney sprinting back and forth trying to defend the aircraft carrier, trying to defend this particular ship or that particular ship as missiles are inbound or as uh, you've got these unmanned aerial vehicles that are inbound. So they're running back and forth because we don't have enough. John, you and I have talked about this numerous times. That, you know, you go back to the layman days when you had 600 ships and today you have well under 300. We're no longer the biggest Navy in the world. And this is an example of where it's showing. We should have been able to intercept all of those missiles that did strike and and the unmanned aerial vehicles that did strike the commercial uh, vessels that were over there. And we weren't able to do so because we don't have enough ships. Why don't you just tell, why don't we, this said Cox here, why don't we just tell the Iranians the next time this happens, we're going to take out a couple of their oil refineries. That'll stop it. Because they won't believe them. Oh, well, <laughs> I, I, I hate to say that. Right, but. You know, I, if I were them right now, I'd go free reign, sadly. And that saddens me, Ed. But, but uh, what if that happened? What, what about, by the way, what about the commercial ships? They were actually hit. Are they, did they survive? One of them, one of them was hit. Yeah, yeah two, two, two of them have been hit now, uh, one with a small missile, one with a, uh unmanned aerial vehicle. Uh, so they, they were hit, no major damage done to either one of them. Both of them are still operating, et cetera. But that could have been a larger weapon. It could have been something that took those vessels down. Uh, and your point is, is valid. Uh, why didn't we strike when uh, these different entities have been striking our bases over 50 times over the last month? We didn't uh, strike then. And we're not striking now. So at some point, you've got to go in and say enough's enough. We're not going to send you any more cash. We're not going to send you airplanes and money anymore post-JCPOA. Um, but what we are going to send you is uh, a couple of missiles inbound if you guys keep uh, messing around here. It's sort of the uh, peace through strength uh, mantra. You know, before we let you go, um, Dr. Bill Park, I want to ask you also about Ukraine because um, – Things are, it's getting really tight with all of these, like funding for Israel, funding for Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine saying they, they need more weaponry ASAP, that they're in a dire crisis. Where are we at with that? Well, uh, we, we should have not let it happen in the first place. Now that we did, 
if you allow Russia to expand from a country to an empire by taking over Ukraine, they have a lot more in the way of, uh, of nuclear power plants, of, of more fuel, more oil, more uh, more food. For sure, the breadbasket of that part of the world is right there in Ukraine. So it's a major problem, and uh, we could have prevented the fighting in the first place. Now we are at a point where if we don't do anything, we're either going to be funding this for a very long time or else Russia is going to turn into an empire again. And this is what happens when you have uh, a weak president. And I, I, weakness is provocative, as Reagan used to say. And it just pains me to hear that you, you talk about this, Mr. Parker, because it wasn't like this when Trump was president. We, we uh, uh, The image of the United States was one of strength. And unfortunately, I hate to say this, but I, don't, I, don't, I think a lot of the rest of the world, ever since the Afghanistan withdrawal, does not take America seriously. Dr. Parker, yeah, we just have a few seconds. Yeah, go ahead, please. I was just going to say, this isn't about Republicans or Democrats. Yeah. It's about uh, it's about peace through the ability Strength. to project yes. power. Amen. Right. Well, Dr. Bill Parker, thank you for your great service. Please keep us posted. And uh, it is heartbreaking to hear like what Steve is saying. Uh, just sort of, I think it's so many people sadly smell weakness around the globe when you see all these hot spots. Thank you, Dr. Bill Parker. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, now, well, we got a song. Here's the yeah. Well, this is Tidy Old Yellow Ribbon 2023. Yes, and by the way, this song, as many of you know, became the theme song for bringing our POWs home from Vietnam. And it is now becoming the theme song and tie yellow ribbon all over really the globe as Israel is tying yellow ribbons to bring the Hamas hostages home, those who are being held by Hamas in Gaza, the Israelis and still some Americans. And joining us now is the man who made that song so famous, our great friend and our great host, my friend, Tony Orlando. Oh, Tony, I love you. you. How are you? I love you too, Rita and John. Boss, it's great to be on your show. Thank you for inviting me. I listen to the show Every day, I, I think that the two of you are magical together. And what I love about it is that you really nail the truth. There's no BS going on. And I'm, I'm so proud to know you both as friends, more importantly, and to be part of the WABC musical family on weekends. But, you know, that song, i got to tell you, John, Rita, when you think about it, the guys that wrote that song, Erwin Levine and Larry Brown, had no idea and I was just the mailman that delivered the letter. But boy, <laughs> what a response. A yeah, yeah. By the well, way, Steve Moore, we... Steve Moore is in studio. is a huge Tony Orlando fan. Uh, I, I remember, thank you. Hey, remember thank you, Tony, Steve. when you played at the dinner that John had, what was it, about a year and a half ago? Right. And I was like, oh, my God, it's Tony uh, Orlando. And he played uh, it you. was so amazing. I'm such a thank huge you. fan. I love Which, it. By the way, Tony, can I just say something? Yeah, I love the music of that era, and you don't hear that kind of music. Why can't they create any great music like you did? Well, him and Cousin Brucey. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, something times change. And the great thing way. about it is, the great thing about it is that that music can be heard on this station. Oh, I know. As mm-hmm. it just was, as, mm-hmm. as John just noted. You know, my wife, Brucey Tony, for- I got to tell you, my wife listens to my pay- playlist, you know, because I play my playlist at home. She's like, don't you listen to anything but the 60s and 70s? And I said, that was the year of the great music. Well, great it was. Words, it was the great, great writing, great songwriting. Oh, my but God. But, you know, I got to share this with all of you. 
That song, imagine this. It welcomed home the POWs. It was the first, with Bob Hope at the Cotton Bowl, I was there to sing and bring them home. And then again, it was in Desert Storm. It brought home our hostages from Iran. It, it is now, as we speak, the theme song in Hong Kong, when every demonstration there is, there's yellow ribbons tied all over the city of Hong Kong, and they play that record, that very record that you just played, as their theme song. And you go to the Philippines, the Philippines still wears yellow ribbons, their presidents, in honor of President Akim, who, who, her husband was shot on the, on the, uh, by a terrorist, as you remember. That became their theme song. And now, now, I watched the Minister of Defense yesterday wearing a yellow tie and saying that the entire Tel Aviv and all of Jerusalem and all of, all of Israel is tying yellow ribbons to show a symbol of hope and homecoming for those hostages. Can you imagine what it must be like for these two writers that wrote the song? And me. Mm-hmm. I sit here and think, I walked into that studio on a rainy day, never thinking. In 2014, I was invited to speak to the families of the three boys who were killed by Hamas. I went to that home. I sat five hours with the families, and we prayed together. We cried together. And sure enough, the next day we found out their sons were murdered by Hamas. You know, Tony, I want to tell you a story. Last night, I was the MC. I was honored to be the MC at a Zionist organization in America. One of the other speakers uh, was Mary Ben-Ami, and her son, who was in his 20s, is Yosef Haim. He is one of the hostages still being held. And I told her, because you and I were talking before I went there, I told her uh, about the tie yellow ribbon, and she started crying. Um, so I want you to know it's resonating all over the world, my friend. Well, I'm going to wear a yellow tie every day now. Yeah, John is wearing a yellow oh, tie. There you and go, I call John. all men out there to start wearing, if you have a yellow tie at home, uh, wear a yellow tie. How beautiful, John. I'll have Typical mine on you. tomorrow. Yes, I yes. Have mine on how beautiful. Typical of you. And you know, one of the things that I did say that day to the press that was there was I, I kind of paraphrased one of our presidents. Of course, you know, we all know. The, the wonderful phrase, but I changed it to hate. The only thing to hate is hate itself. And, and really the hate that you feel when you're in the, in, in Israel coming from that other side is overwhelming. It's overwhelming. It's breathtaking. And I pray to the good Lord that his hand is on Israel and the people of Israel. They're wonderful people who care about life. And I hope that the uh, this these terrorist movements uh, uh, can can uh, just it's it's hard to to grasp how they could have done what they've done. It is. It's horrifying, Tony. We love Tony, you. Thank you. We love um, you. And we love you. I'm telling all our listeners: either tie a yellow ribbon around mm-hmm. your tree, or wear a yellow tie, or Absolutely. wear a yellow scarf. Absolutely. Remember, we I started, love we you, remember, boss. Remember, yeah. we did the back the blue where we did and the ribbons. We yes. should do the, with the yellow ribbons we now for this. Them. And, and you know, what? everybody listen to Tony every Saturday night between ten and twelve o'clock at <laughs> night. Following cousin Brucie from six yes. to ten. Following uh, Steve Boy, you're not yes. on till what Saturday at one p.m. to two p.m. Now, and, and you guys nearly as big an audience as Tony for, Orlando does. You're for, right. selfish, <laughs> for selfish reasons, I'm going to play tie a yellow ribbon so I can Yay. watch Steve Moore dance again on the bump out. <laughs> right. I love you, we gotta Tony. Take a Thank break. you. We gotta love take you. a hard break, and then we'll be back for Bill O'Reilly. Here we go, a little for Steve and all of us. It's 
It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Well, our next guest is a mega best-selling author, uh, the biggest one of all time, nonfiction. His latest one is calling Killing the Witches of his great bestseller killing series. And also, he's, of course, the host of Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly every night on WABC 9 to 10 p.m. here on WABC. And, Bill, um, I understand, uh, you, well, we we all experienced the chaos on Saturday night in New York City. What a mess. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at it from purely a journalistic point of view here because uh, I told my audience on Common Sense uh, last week that I was going into Manhattan for a good look around. And it's worse than I thought it was, and it's as bad as um, it's ever been in New York City. And I'm afraid we're going down the San Francisco road here. So just let me be very specific, and you guys can ask me anything you want. I live 21 miles from Manhattan, from Midtown. took me about two hours to get in. I was lucky enough to find a metered parking spot, $25. Now, if I had to put it in a lot, it would have been 50 to $70. And, and, across, and you don't have congestion pricing yet. Right. The total across the uh, Midtown Tunnel and, and uh, the George Washington Bridge, um, about 8 bucks. So even before you step out of the car, okay, you're into it for $35, $40 at least, all right? And if you have to put in a lot, then it's $60, $65. So there were, I didn't see any traffic control people on the east side of Manhattan. Now, you absolutely have to have an army of them outside the Midtown Tunnel to get the flow out of the tunnel into the streets and avenues. Where are they? Everybody knew that Saturday night, three weeks before Christmas, is going to be big. going to be a lot of vehicles coming on in, Okay. Where, where are the uh, traffic control people? Where? Now, that tells me there is no one in charge of this city right now. No one. I don't know what Mayor Adams is doing, but he's certainly not doing quality of life. I'd like to see the mayor himself symbolically put himself on 3rd Avenue and direct traffic for 15 minutes. It's immediate tension of it. So when you don't have that, you have everybody blocking the box. They're not stopping at the lights. They're just driving through, and if they block you, you can't move them. Add to that the bicycles, got to be hundreds of them, all right, weaving in and out of traffic. You hit a biker, it's going to cost you $100,000, all right, in a, in a judgment. A lot of these bikers want you to hit them. There's absolute chaos on every street, every avenue, and, and I, I'm sitting there going, you cannot run a city this way, where there's no one in charge. We're living under the the law of the jungle. Well, look, the people elected this far-left crew, and the far-left crew feels no obligation to the quality of life in this city. None. It's 100% ideology. Don't put criminals in jail. Give migrants welfare. Give them everything. Spend thousands of dollars a day on migrants. That's ideology. As far as running the city, who is running the city? Who? It's not Adams. 
Well, it is a mess. I, I, I will tell you a story told to me by my friend George that lives in Whitestone uh, on a house that's a couple of houses from him. Then uh, that uh, somebody was breaking into this uh, uh, couple's house that was being fixed up. There was nobody living there. And he put in a silent alarm. And the guy got the alarm. He goes there. And there was two people trying to ransack his house. And he had a baseball bat. And he hit one guy over the head with it. And the guy is going to be suing him now. Uh, and, and, sure. and he got and he got arrested for hitting the guy, uh, broke into his house, and he got arrested for hitting the guy. Well, it's like inside. the Bodega yeah. got charged. Right. It's like par so, for the course, sadly. It's, ups, it's, it's upside down now in New York City. And I don't see it getting better. And if it gets any worse, then it's going to be San Francisco. Yes, people right, are moving out. Just, there's no law at all. It's almost lawless now. When I was walking from, uh, I parked a, around Lex and 57, 56, and I had to walk down. Pot everywhere. Totally out of control. So, right? Bill, it, Bill, the other day, when I came to work, I was on the, I took the subway because it was packed. Literally, there were hundreds of uh, you know, anti-Israeli protesters standing next to me with, you know, that that was very comforting. So you've got an anarchy in the city. If you're an EMS driver, you are, you guys ought to have one on tomorrow or Wednesday. They can't get to the hospitals with the people who have heart attacks and people's lives are threatened. The ambulances can't get through. So, I mean, how much worse does it have to get? And yet, people, they go about their daily lives. They're willing to accept this kind of indignity, just like they accepted it in San Francisco. And that's what you're going to have. You know, it would take probably three months of martial law to turn this around. The one good thing, and I don't want to be all negative, there is a move now, and the subway put gates so you can't get out unless you put your ticket in so the bear beaters couldn't get out of the subway. They are absolutely ought to do that because that's costing the city tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. And that, and they're charging a uh, congestion pricing to sort of make up for the fair beaters. Bill, Bill O'Reilly, um, judge Weinberg has a question for you. So Bill, at the dinner you and I were at the other night with Rita and John celebrating Margot's birthday, I was talking to Ray Kelly I was talking to Ray Kelly, our former commissioner, and he said, he said to me, we know exactly what we have to do. We've done it before, but there's no will to do it. Yeah. I mean, that's what Bratton said last week on, uh, on your show. Um, because if you elect these far left people, as I said, it's all ideology, no performance. They don't feel that they have to do anything. They don't feel, you know, even though they're in charge, that they have to make anything better. It's all virtue signaling garbage rhetoric. And and when you have that, and once this uh, congestion pricing comes in, every restaurant in Queens is just jumping up and down for joy. Believe me, Nassau County restaurants, they're going to all prosper because people are not going to go to Manhattan and pay 70 or $80 just to get into the city and park your automobile. They are not going to do it it's another like i said the other day it's another uh nail, nail in the in coffin manhattan's coffin where do you see it 
But I don't see it, you know, outside of WABC and the New York Post, no other media vehicle in the largest city in the country seems to give a wit. Do they care? They don't. Which is so sad, Bill, because so many of them also, a lot of the reporters live in New York, too. I mean, they see it. You know, it it is incredible, isn't it, Bill, that they're not? It's unless the media zeroes in on the villain. Names them, shames them. Nothing will get better. Wow. No, I agree. Uh, Bill, before we let you go, you also did um, some comments recently about Newsom since you brought up San Francisco. And uh, that's tonight (laughs) on uh, Common Sense. Uh, Newsom has perfected the art of refusing to answer direct questions. Simply will not do it. And I give you. Two very vivid examples from last week's debate. You could ask Newsom, what color is the sky today? And he is not going to tell you unless he wants to. And he never, if it's negative against the progressives, he will never answer the question, ever. I got a column on BillOReilly.com. It's a little amusing. It's free. You go there, you read it, and that sums it up. But now every politician is taking that. Yeah, no, you're right. Bill, you are right. Well, I can't wait. We'll be tuning in tonight. Uh, Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly. And I uh, can't wait to hear Bill's examples. I agree. He was doing the bobbing and weaving. I watched that debate, Bill. Boy, oh, boy. Bill, thank you. We love you. Great to have you here. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Bill. Thank you so and much. what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America.